0: Hey, it's Daddy, and welcome back to Daddy As Fuck. I'm here with Baby Girl. Hi. And we're talking about poly kink needs when your partner is vanilla. A listener writes in who identifies as a little middle switch, whose spouse has made it very clear this isn't something he's comfortable with exploring with her at least so she has to find a way to get her needs met in and around her relationship so it's a big topic and we're ready to take it on today baby girl
1: oh yes let's do it
0: get on down the bunny hole Uh uh-huh all right hippity hop here we go our question today is from a listener baby bear hi baby bear Baby Bear wrote in with a lot of questions around navigating how to explore her little middle switch side with a spouse who is not interested in that kind of lifestyle. So the first thing that popped up to uh, Baby Girl's eyes was the fact that we're we're navigating some poly here.
1: Yeah, Baby Bear, when, uh, when I read your message, um... Whew, you probably heard a little bit of the trepidation in my voice at the very beginning of this intro because um, I'm living your question. Absolutely, right? Living this experience of, of trying to get to know myself as a baby girl and get my needs met with um, while maintaining um, a relationship with a spouse who is not at all interested in that and... Um, So it's a big topic and it's near and dear to my heart and I am (laughs) happy to, um, I'm happy to walk you through it as much as we can. But the first thing I thought when I read this was like, wow, this is not necessarily just a BDSM or just a DDLG or just a kink topic. Like this is a big poly topic and um, these are hard questions, right? We can't solve this in like a one-hour podcast. Um, Fortunately for you, there's a lot of great books and podcasts and resources about how to manage this kind of stuff um, out there, but we're both happy to share our experience too.
0: I feel like the questions that are asked we can probably shine a lot of really good lights on um, but what baby girls, at least in our conversations that we had, sweetheart, what we're saying is that um, we noticed that the path that you're going to have to walk is a, is a poly one or some sort of a non-monogamy or some sort of an arrangement between you and your spouse that allows you to find a ways to have your needs met outside or, or alongside your relationship. So when we saw that, that's what baby girls talking about. So um, on the poly side, that Being a very big topic that's way too big for this podcast, there's a lot of other great resources like, um, you know, More Than Two was a -hmm. wonderful book.
1: Yeah, we read that. uh, We read that together. We we read More Than Two together and it's got uh, a lot of really great great principles in there about how to manage multiple relationships and, you know, just talking about the importance of communication and valuing the people in the relationship more than the relationship itself, Mm -hmm. not treating people like things. You could go on and on. There's tons of good, good information in there. Um, But my, my next thought was you, I think you are definitely going to need professional assistance um, from a therapist who is, you know, kink and poly-friendly, I I don't think that my husband and I would have been able to navigate the things that we have navigated without our therapist.
0: Yeah, and and on the journey that I was on um, that led me here, my partner and I were undergoing um, a a lot of... We went to seminars and we engaged in a lot of self-growth and development when we were along the path of exploring non-monogamy and poly and the partners that we were with were also with a kink and poly-friendly therapist at the time. So the four of us were all kind of engaged in dealing with working on our own shit (laughs) while we were navigating the relationship. Um, Polyamory Weekly is a wonderful podcast that served myself and my um, ex-girlfriend when I was Um, in that my first poly relationship very, very well, because it allowed us to deconstruct and unpack some of the weird feelings. I mean, I, I had a lot of my first experiences with, um, you know, poly-related jealousy. Um, I had worked a lot on jealousy prior to that, but poly brings on a whole other set, you know, because now you're going to be dealing with not just your wiggles, but your partner's wiggles and your your partner's partner's wiggles. And (laughs) so it can be a lot.
1: It's a lot. I mean, I remember my therapist first telling me, like, you think managing one relationship is hard. Like, try managing multiple relationships. It's the path that you are embarking on is it is not easy. It takes a lot of work, like constant work. Um, But you know, what it sounds like you might be finding out is that um, you may not have any option because if your baby girl, it, your little girl, your little self, if that's who you are, congratulations for finding that. And you deserve to get your needs met. You you are, you are not wrong for having those needs. It's okay for you to have those needs, and it's okay for you to advocate for yourself to find ways to get them met.
0: Yes, absolutely. So um, we're going to move on to answering some of your questions, but... Just wanted to take this moment to acknowledge that we've been there and we see something. <laughs> and that's the big mountain that you're going to be climbing to get to that treasured space at the top where you can just like roll around in that sunshiny patch of grass as your little girl self. <laughs> so let's talk about some of um, Baby Girl's perspective. <laughs>
1: Okay, baby bear. So um, let's start going through some of the questions that you asked us. You asked, "How do I, baby girl, um, how do I navigate my my quote unquote other life, right? Being a being a wife and being a mother, and how do I maintain balance?" And then you sort of posed the same question to Daddy. You said, "How do you manage, like, the fact that?" that I have this, this other life, this relationship and that I, I, um, you know, have a, a husband and children. So, um, I'm going to let daddy go first because oh, so <laughs> I feel nervous. Um, so and I think I, I think I'll do better. Um, just speaking after daddy. So okay.
0: Well, how do I manage? How do we manage? Yeah. It's a, it's a lot to manage. And in the early stages of our relationship, um, I was so incredibly thankful for having utilized all the resources available to me in my prior poly and kink relationships, as I was intimating at earlier uh, in the introduction to the podcast here. And in those relationships, when they were new structures and formats for me, those resources were incredibly eye-opening. It allowed me a new reframing to navigate in those moments. And all that experience really came to bear when I met Baby Girl. She and I took off at breakneck speed, so chemistry-wise, and across the complete spectrum of mental, physical, and emotion, emotional. You know, I met, I remember having on my my, my life profile and Baby Girl had on hers. You know, I'm looking for that full mental, physical, emotional spectrum connection, and mm-hmm. you know, in here, boom.
1: We called it like the trifecta. <laughs> yeah,
0: and we like found it that night the moment that I I shook her hand and she walked out of the bar with her head on my shoulder all the way to the parking garage, you know. So I was very thankful to have all of this experience when I met her because I just knew that something was going to happen the second I shook her hand and it would have been very easy for me to dive in head first with her and I was thankful for the distance that our situation put between us. It acted as a, a kind of break or a reality check, forcing us to be very intentional about how we grew, what we had, and it created acceptance around our situation In ways that I could use to support her too and for her to support me and I think I mentioned that here because it's going to be very important for you too you know if you're going to be exploring outside of your relationship you're going to be coming back to your partner and those transitions can be very hard so as eager as you are to go out or any of us are to go out and explore from our native relationship anchor relationship primary whatever you call it relationship the one that came first um you're going to have to deal with your emotions during transitions from one partner to another as well so it's not all about getting your partner on board you're going to have to navigate your own emotions about what it is to go out with and go out with somebody and then come back to somebody else and vice versa
1: but i think i think just to back up for a second i think what daddy is talking about about taking it slow and like kind of mm-hmm. having to having to put on the brakes is the fact that you know, you mentioned that your husband is not particularly interested in um, in either. It sounds like is not particularly interested in exploring uh, any kind of kink relationship with you. Nor is he particularly interested in you exploring kink relationships um, outside of your marriage, right? And um, and I would say so. My my husband. He is, um, he's monogamous. Like he just is a very, he would be very happy if he and I were um, in an exclusive monogamous relationship that looked like all the relationships that you see in the movies and TV. And, and um, I think, you know, that just a nice, simple, loving marriage is, that's his ideal relationship. I mean, um,
0: you've always had this kind of hippie commune kind of a feel, haven't you?
1: I know. Well, I've just, like, <laughs> I've always, yeah, I've always felt like, um, kind of like it takes a village. Yeah. And, you know, I love the idea of more more partners and, and sort of, you know, more people in your support network. and yeah. um, And I think he... You know, he likes that in some ways, but not in like a, there's not in a sexual way, not in a um, a kink way. He's not interested in in uh, kink at all. But you know, fortunately, um, he has been very supportive of, he's been very supportive of of allowing me to get my needs met, but it has it started, very slow. Like yes. when I first met Daddy, um I said I think I'm looking for someone to see maybe for a couple of hours, one night, maybe once a month, maybe twice a month. You know, like I right. I was initially thinking that what I was looking for was I was at that point I didn't identify as a baby girl. I kind of just identified as a submissive. So, um I thought I just needed somebody to just beat the crap out of me, you know, a couple of a little bit here and there and, you know, a couple times a month maybe and that would be good. And so, um so when daddy and I started our relationship, um I didn't have a lot of available Time because I was moving. Yeah, I was moving at the speed of the slowest person, and that's something you will hear a lot if you start to explore some of these books about Polly about managing multiple relationships. Is that you got to move, you got to move at the speed of the slowest person, and you know at the same time, it they can't be it can't be stop like the speed of the slowest person can't be no progress at all, right? Exactly. Like you you have they they have to in good faith be moving forward, but you right. have to in good faith allow them to get comfortable. And and I so now today daddy and I see each other every week. It's rare that a week goes by that mm-hmm. we don't see each other and we've had um you know overnights together and things and, and those hmm. were all things that like at the beginning of our relationship if you had asked my husband <laughs> he would have said absolutely not. I would that's something I would probably never be okay with. Right? Like and so I think that's um a good point. Just because your husband is, you know, is, is not particularly interested in all of this, it's okay. It's okay to take it slow. Just because you start out by taking it slow doesn't mean that he won't get more comfortable and things won't evolve down the road. So um anyway, I just wanna give a little color on on that whole like, you know, you had said that um
0: It's like a break.
1: Yeah, that we had like we had this like incredible chemistry and it would have been very easy for us to just like dive in head first and be like, Okay, let's just like spend every waking moment together. But um but we could not do that. That is not the way that our relationship uh developed because we were, you know, we were moving
0: at at, the speed of the speed of the slowest slowest person. person. And you know, and I do like what what you just mentioned there. You know, it's relevant to to Baby Bear because you know she's standing at the foot of a very tall mountain. At least that's how I picture it. And you know, there's there's a lot of hand and footholds on the way up. You know, and there's gonna there's gonna be some cliffhangers too, but. Just because, you know, you you feel like this is going to be impossible, I'm never going to have X. Well, you know, never say never, it could be six months away. That's what baby girl is saying, that we never thought we'd have overnights. When I first met her, I said, yeah, twice a month is fine with me, you know, because I'm recovering from divorce and, you know, dot, dot, dot. So... And then little did we both know, there's this great force that is us in the world now.
1: Right. And at the time, Daddy had, um, you had a handful of other play partners too. So you I were, did. you yeah. were, you know, managing a lot of different kind of relationships at one time. And so you were like, yeah, like once or twice a month, like, sure, that, that fits into my schedule perfectly, you know.
0: Yeah, I think it took about a, a month for me to realize that. We were going down hell of a bunny hole. <laughs> and we continued to manage it at every couple of weeks, every couple of weeks, you know, and we would talk a lot. Um, we, Baby girl and I talked a lot about our side of the relationship. And I, I, I asked her a lot of questions about what was going on in her relationship. But we'll get into that a little bit later in this episode, because that was one of your specific questions. Um, one thing I want to mention, too, is that in the, in, in how I managed, um, in the early stages of our relationship, I struggled a lot internally against the relationship ladder, you know, uh, meet, you know, become exclusive, move in together, get married, have kids, you know, that's the relationship ladder. And, you know, that's something that clearly was not available to us without breaking up a family, you know, and I wasn't ready for it. Just having come out of, you know, an 18 year marriage breaking up. So, It was very curious to me that, you know, as our relationship grew, um, we would say reassuring things to one another. Like, I would marry you or I would be your primary partner. And I kind of felt like we settled on that was our way of saying you're that important to me, you know. And I think at the time it was the grandest gesture that I knew how to make. And it turns out that the grandest gesture was actually working together through the challenge of wanting to be together but cho- choosing to be apart because we have this goal of keeping your family together and also growing our relationship. You know, So if your goal is to keep your family whole and have a healthy marriage, and if I'm your pr- protector and that's my primary focus – All my choices and framing tend to center around that, you know. So in this way, I can help her be her best self and help you be your best self by limiting any anxiety that might come along from our particular poly arrangement and the impact that it's having on your family and your marriage.
1: Yeah. So baby bear, there is, I'm sure you're aware, but there is a lot of like toxic, normative relationship dogma out there that, um has influenced all of us, all of our lives, and you're probably going to have to slog through it, right? So, mm-hmm. like, like Daddy was talking about, like, the relationship ladder, right, is, is one of them. And, like, so for us, when we talked about that, I think it is really important. It's really important to think about and talk about all of your options so that you can actively choose yeah. what you want, right? Like, I think... Initially, you know, maybe initially, I think, you know, I was like, I didn't maybe want to have a conversation like that because it felt, um, it felt somehow like, like I wasn't respecting my relationship with my husband to have a conversation like, well, what would it look like if you and I were married? But, um, you know, my therapist always says that if you leave the scary thing in the closet, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta start chipping away at it. You gotta face it. And that's the only way to to deal with it. And so for us, you know, talking about, like...
0: The unsaid stuff. Yeah, that yeah.
1: unsaid, that, like, well, what if... <clears throat> Excuse me. What if you weren't in this relationship? Like, what would that be, what would that look like? You know, that allowed us to kind of play out of for a variety of reasons that that wasn't actually our path right like for a variety of reasons including like i i don't want to break my husband's heart including i don't want to have a family where the two of us are in two different households and our kids are having to be like shuttled back and forth every other weeknight or, or, you know, whatever. And, and I just, and, and even from daddy's side, you know, daddy's Mm -hmm. saying like, I've been in monogamous, well, partially sometimes monogamous, but I've been in relationships and marriages, serious, serious relationships for 27 years. Like I'm finally getting to start to enjoy some hobbies. I don't know that I want someone moving in with me again right now. I don't know that I want a 24 seven, you know, live in partner, relationships. So like, but we had to talk about it in order to reach that choice and realize that that was the choice that we wanted to make. And I also just want to say that like, just because right now at this point in time, the right choice for me is to stay in my marriage. That's, that's what I feel like is the right choice for me. That does not have to be the right choice for you that does not have to be the right choice for, for anyone else. Only, you know, only you can, can explore that. And, and, and that may change at some point. I mean, I think another thing my therapist has taught me is that, you know, there's really no such thing as like forever, like happily ever after. You can't just like, you can't promise someone I'm going to be there, you know, forever. I want to be with you forever. It's just not realistic we just don't know what the world is going to bring to us. So I I just, I think that's like another, that whole, like, you know, if you're not in your marriage till death do you part, then you're a failure. I think that's um, also some pretty toxic normative shit that like, um, it's okay if that ends up not being your decision. But you said in your message to us that at least it sounds like for right now, you do want to stay in your marriage. You do want to continue to, you know, in your wife and your mother
0: mm-hmm. role
1: with that relationship. And at the same time, you want to figure out how to um, to get your needs met. And it sounds like you're going to need to get those needs met outside of your relationship. And so I'm going to say you I would highly, highly recommend. We mentioned this at the very beginning. I would highly recommend therapy. Finding a good poly and kink-friendly therapist that you and your husband can talk to together because what you're asking for is not crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's not even necessarily that unusual. And I think, you know, it might be good for your husband to hear that from someone who's not you. you Yeah. Like to to hear that from... (laughs) You know, from a, a therapist, right? Someone who is a neutral. Third I'm not party. crazy
0: here, right? I'm not crazy here,
1: right? You're, and and I think you know, and and then and then he also has a choice, right? Like I told you, my husband, he is monogamous. Like his preference would be that I don't have any other relationships. However, he recognizes that this relationship that I have with Daddy really hits something in my core that I've been searching for for a long time. He sees that I struggle less with my anxiety. He he sees the way that this helps me. Mm-hmm. And so, he is willing, you know, he's willing to take that as the price of admission, right? Even though in his ideal world, he would like to be monogamous, he is willing to sort of turn, turn the other way and allow me to have this relationship because he also wants us to stay married. He also wants us to keep our family whole. And there may come a day when he changes his mind. There may come a day when he says, yeah, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I think, you know, I think I'm done. But, um, or, or there may come a day when I change my mind and I say that that's not the right path for me anymore. But for right now, that's the price of admission that he is is willing to pay, but yeah. it's it's tough. And
0: it's interesting because it started as, um, just like a, a, started as a hall pass. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like okay, once a month, once every two weeks, you're gonna go out and, you know, I'm gonna tend the garden, but you have to go have your flat. You have to go have your, you know, your your branches trimmed. And uh, you know, it's not something I want to do. So go ahead and go go get your go find your dom and have your fun. And um, it turned into this whole other thing that he never would have chosen ever, ever, ever. Um, but also at the same time, it's recognized that, like, okay, um, having this relationship has been better for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a path I never would have, like, asked for or, or didn't think we were headed towards. But here we are. And, yeah, I can see it's, it's bringing good – it's bringing – it's making our life better. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so
1: – But it's not – It's not easy. And if that's the path, so, you know, again, if the path that you go on is you and your husband, you know, you find a good poly and kink friendly therapist and you both decide that you're willing to, to move forward in this direction, right? He decides that he is willing to be supportive of, of maybe slowly taking some steps to explore, how you can make your need, how you can get your needs met, and you guys have lots and lots and lots of conversations about it and about what would make him comfortable and what would make you comfortable, and there's lots of compromise and there's lots of stumbling along the way and there's definitely hurt feelings and you know we we make mistakes and then we say oh god okay we're not gonna do that again. Um, so like that right there is even a long way to go. And then once you get through that, you get to the the daily part of managing more toxic normative bullshit like if person a is right for me then person b must be wrong for me yeah. right like so that's so that's like where where i am in in my journey is you know i i feel like i have to constantly be on guard against like you know i i love i love my husband and then sometimes in this relationship, I love daddy. All mm-hmm. the, I love daddy all the time. But sometimes in this relationship, um, it, it can be easy for me to think, it can be easy to compare, yeah. right? Like you, it's temp- of course it is. It's tempting to compare to like, oh, you roll your eyes because like, God oh, your husband is doing X, Y, and Z, and daddy wouldn't do it that way. And daddy would never, you know, da, da, da. That's not it's not productive. It's not going to get you anywhere. I still do it, and then I have to catch myself and I have to stop because you gotta, you have to appreciate each person for who they are. Comparing is just—it's just a one-way ticket to to angst. And yeah. Heartache. Well,
0: as much as your husband is not your daddy, I could never be the father of your children. So, you know, every each of us has a very important, prominent place we play in your life.
1: Yeah. But it's, it's like, just so you know, like those kinds of normative thoughts, right? Like, or Mm -hmm. I think to myself, like, I start to think to myself, like, oh, well, you know, things are so good with, with daddy that like, it, it can be, it can be tempting to want to make your husband, quote unquote, wrong right and and finding finding these little stories that like validate like see see he's he's not a good person and that's why i need this other thing and it's just it's just not true
0: well that's where the challenge it's lies just, right because you have discovered a part of yourself that ha- has needs that need to be met and your partner is like eh, mm, not my thing automatically there's that temptation to be like my husband's the problem you know, like I have these needs and they are the obstacle, you know, no, that's not the case. They're your partner and you need to make them your uh, ally in finding ways to have your needs met because they are your partner until as baby girl has said in so many words, you make the choice that they're, they're not your partner anymore. And that doesn't also, if you're talking about toxic monogamy, That doesn't have to be a choice either. It's perfectly fine to continue down a road where they are your partner and they're your supportive partner and they help you find ways to get your needs met.
1: Yeah. I guess I just, I wanted to like say that like I, it's constant work. I work at it all the time. I got it. Sometimes I have to remind myself, my husband is a fantastic person. Mm -hmm. Yes,
0: he definitely is.
1: He is so patient. (laughs) He like, he has the patience of a saint and like, he's not. He's not wrong. Like he hasn't done he hasn't done anything wrong and he is a wonderful husband and he is a wonderful father and I am grateful for him, right? Then I can feel that gratitude yeah. that he is willing mm-hmm. to pay this price of admission that right? he also wants to keep our family whole and that he is he is willing to, you know, to, to pay the price of admission so that I can go out and explore this relationship and have this relationship and, and have these, these needs met and, and this, you know, this wonderful, wonderful experience.
0: Well, baby Barry had a couple other questions that were centric around the relationships and how they um, dovetail together. So let's, let's t- talk about those for a minute. So in covering a lot of the, um, the basics and diving into the general part of your question, there were a couple of standouts and you asked um, baby girl specifically, how does your relationship with daddy affect your relationship with your spouse? And also how does your relationship with your spouse affect your relationship with daddy? So um, baby girl, how do you feel that your relationship with me affects your relationship with your spouse?
1: Well, I referenced this a little bit earlier, but um, I mean, definitely I have less anxiety now. I feel more balanced right now that we've discovered this baby girl part of me that I feel like it's like, oh gosh, now like all the pieces make sense, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I mean, even like, I, I was so blind to this that like, that, like, at one point I was, Daddy and I were talking about our early erotic experiences. And I was mentioning this book, this, like, romance novel called Vixen. And I was like, oh, this was one of, like, the first romance novels I ever read. And Daddy said, well, let's, you know, read it together. Like, I would love to re- read it with you and, and understand more about your psyche. And we start reading it. And he's, like, looks at me. He's like, Okay you realize that like this novel is about an orphan girl who like gets like shipped over to her mother's ex-boyfriend and then you know he's like now her guardian and then she like develops a relationship like you see the ddlg in this right like the orphan <laughs> girl is having a relationship with her guardian and i was like oh, oh. i kid you not i never saw it like until you the day you said that like i, I remember, remember
0: where i was standing i that's was like
1: funny. whoa like my little mind was just like exploding right then you I was know? like come
0: on you're kidding me you're pulling my leg right you know that right like that's where this all started you read this ddlg book and you're like i'm a baby girl she was like uh, no i just kind of think i'm realizing that right now daddy <laughs> like actually right now in this moment
1: right yeah so like so anyway sorry that I, we're getting off topic but just you know i i I feel like like there are so many pieces like that throughout my entire life that once I, like, found my baby girl identity, I was like, oh, they all make sense now. They all fit together. And I think because of that, you know, I have have less anxiety. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, Daddy also, um, he's wonderful at helping me manage things. And, you know, you... You mentioned something in your email that really, really spoke to me. You know, you kind of mentioned how exhausting it is to to take care of everyone else, you know, to, to feel like you're having to be a caregiver for your, your kids. You probably feel like you have to be the caregiver for your husband because honestly, again, this is another one of these like toxic normative things, right? Like it's the mom's responsibility to keep all the stuff in your head. Like it's like... Doctor's appointments and birthday gifts and and library books are due and school picture day is tomorrow and and like don't you know to bake
0: the cookies yeah, for the bake sale
1: right and the bake sale and the you know and the and this one's got this practice and that one's got that practice and yeah. and like for some reason it's all your responsibility right and I don't know why <laughs> all I, the things I don't know yeah so like it is like it's frigging exhausting and I frequently say to myself I don't know how other women do it without having a daddy because like just like. Having someone who wants to take care of you for a change, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. And daddy looks out for me in ways that like, just nobody else in my life would care or think or want to do. I mean, he... He reminds me when that time of the month is coming and that like I need to be drinking more water and hydrating and you know so I don't get the the awful headaches that I sometimes get and he'll he tracks my exercise for me because I want to make sure I'm staying really active so that I can stay really healthy and that I'm, you know, getting my cardio, but also my weights and my yoga and my abs and all these things. And, you know, he'll, he'll track that for me and send me little spreadsheets and, and like, he's always checking in on how I'm doing and reminding me to like, okay, like you sounded pretty stressed this morning. So, Mm -hmm. you know, see if you can, see if you can find a few minutes in the day to day to just take a breath and maybe do a little meditation or, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's, I'm so grateful for all of that because, and, and, and it helps. Like it really, for me, all of it really helps me to feel more balanced. Well, sure.
0: Because when your part, when, when your husband comes home at the end of a hard day and you know where you're battered and beaten, you've got somebody who's been like messaging you, Hey, cause I know your story too. Cause you tell me your story through the day too. Cause sometimes you don't. And I ask. Um, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, do you wanna talk about it? Or you need to do this, or we'll just a couple of chat bubbles back and forth about it. So by the time your husband gets home at the end of the day, you've kind of off gassed a lot of these annoying, troublesome, anxiety producing things, and you're just like, ah, okay, cool, I gotta make dinner and do the things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I, I mean, I think that's, you know, one of the the best ways that my relationship with daddy affects my relationship with my husband um it really helps me manage and be settled and it just it helps me be a better wife and a better mother and it gives me the recharge and the patience to be those things um so that's one thing i think the other big thing is that it's taught me Mm. to advocate for myself more than i knew was possible and um you kind of
0: have to right
1: Well, therapy (laughs) has been actually incredibly helpful in that regard, too. Couples therapy has been, um, I mean, when I, you know, because we, I think, you know, like many relationships, many spouses who've been married a long time and have kids, and, and there's just so many daily frustrations and so many... So many eye rolls and so many, you know, just irritating things and somebody left their dishes in the sink and somebody left their shoes in the middle of the carpet and the dog peed on this and what I mean, you know, there's just like a million things. And, um, and my therapist was like, you have to stand up for yourself. Like you have to tell your family what you need. Like you're not, she's like, be careful with your language. Don't say, could you help me with the dishes? The dishes are not your responsibility unless you're the only one who ate that night. Otherwise they're everyone's responsibility. So they're not helping you with the dishes. They are being a productive part of the family. And like, you know, some of the things she would tell me to say, I'd be like, I can't say that. (laughs) But she'd be like, you have to say that. You have to or else your relationship is going to fall apart because every time you don't say that, you are building a brick in the wall of resentment. So, mm-hmm. again, she's been been amazing um, in helping me advocate for myself and, and also, you know, speaking up around the fact that, like, so we'll, we'll circle back to another toxic normative thing that you, will, you may have to struggle against, which is this concept that, like, that you should be everything to your your husband. That you should be his best friend and his, you know, uh, co partner, parent, and you manage the economics together, and you have a wonderful sex life, and everything's like you're everything to each other. And so you need to be together all the time. And if you're not together, then something must be wrong. Like if you funny. if there's a reason that you want to do something that isn't with him, then it must mean there's something wrong. In your relationship and that's actually codependency right there and so like but it's yeah. like but when you see it and you see it everywhere in books and movies and and it's like it's this toxic normative expectation that gets created
0: there's this phrase that you know would be thrown around the circle of my like my friends when i was near you know just timeline wise towards the end of my marriage but this has nothing to do with you know the success or failure of my marriage well it wasn't a failure uh it was a transition this phrase was uh, happy wife, happy life. You know, it's like, oh, hey, you, you want to go for a ride later? You, you know, hop on the, you know, machines and we can take off. And he's like, I got to go do X, Y, Z. He was like, happy wife, happy life. And I feel like, you know, it's like, why does it always seem like whenever somebody says that, there, it's like an excuse? <laughs> you know, it's like, I got to do X, Y, Z. Oh, yeah, no, I get it, man. If you don't keep her happy, she's going to bitch you out. Quote, unquote, happy wife, happy life. And I'm like, so, I, as you were reading, as you were um, speaking about that, I was saying like, Thinking in my, in my head, I just kept hearing happy husband, happy life, happy husband. And I was like, it's not your responsibility.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think that that's a big, um, a big thing also that, you know, I learned in therapy is that like we are each responsible for our own happiness. And so, you know, one of the things, one of the tough things for me initially with my husband and with you know, embarking on another relationship is that I'm pretty introverted and he's pretty extroverted. So he already felt like he wasn't getting enough (laughs) of me. And like, you know, so he's like, wait, like, how can I like, you know, I already don't get enough. So how can someone else be getting something? Another slice of the pie means less pie for him, right? Like that, that model. And I think, you know, what we've worked on instead is like, how can you find, like, you need to be responsible for your own happiness. You need to identify things that will make you happy and go do them. Like, I cannot be your sole source of, like, companionship and entertainment and happiness. That's not that's not a fair ask, um, at least for me, right? For some people, that might be exactly what they want in a relationship, and that's great. But for me... I can't – I just can't give that. And so, you you know, you have to, like, have conversations about, like, what do you need and what are the reasonable expectations of what I can give? Yeah. What do Boundaries. I need and what are the reasonable expectations about what you can give? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's <clears> – <throat> I guess that's the other thing, like, that I would say about how my – this relationship has affected my relationship with my spouse. And, and honestly, it was the advocating for myself that was even – before this relationship, that was yeah. that came from when I started when we started therapy, that was really, um, really helpful.
0: Um, yeah, and, and, you know, I think we have found ways to make that easier. It, sometimes it can be hard um, to transition. And we said that earlier, in, you know, in the context of the, like, this is a poly problem, what we're what we're discussing this whole, you know, email is kind of centered around this is a poly problem, how do I get out and get what I need if it's not available at home? And, um, you know, I said transitions are going to be one of the things that you struggle with. And, you know, I didn't want, I was very conscious that I did not want to send baby girl home you know, like on a high only to go home and kind of experience that walk in the door, the dog just peed on the carpet, there's dishes, we got to get dinner, there's work and bills got to get paid, you know, real life, you know, it's going back to real life here, she's over my house and we're hanging out, she goes home, that's where all the chores and stuff are, you know, and then when she leaves, I take care of all my chores and stuff, you know, we haven't merged those parts of our lives. So transitions was one of the areas that we focused on, like working together to find ways to make easier because, I I told you, like that was like some of the hardest parts was transitioning. You know, I
1: think yeah, transitions were hard for both of us. They were hard for me. I would start to feel my anxiety creeping up the closer we got to the time for me to leave and go home. And something that helped me a lot was um, talking on the phone while I'm driving home. That Mm -hmm. for me was a nice provided a little bit of a step. Down instead of like here, I'm pushing you off the cliff and back into reality. Have yeah, a nice flight, right. you know. It was like a bit of like, oh, there's a staircase here that I can kind of walk yeah, down. Just
0: put um, a little sob on those rope marks. You'll be fine, you know.
1: <laughs> but um, but for you, I, I you mentioned that the transitions were hard for you too because like sometimes I would leave and it would you'd be like, gosh, this house feels really empty right oh, now. Oh
0: yeah, absolutely. And it would trigger, it would tickle my abandonment issues, you know, from like having my. My, like going kissing my wife goodbye and then, then you know two o'clock that afternoon she's like oh by the way I'm in the car and I'm packed up and I'm I'm leaving I, I'm never going to be living with you again I won't be home tonight and I'm like wait what now so it it tickled that and of course that was easy for me to see very early on so I'm like oh hey yay abandonment yay um, you know but that's just one of the other ways that we worked together to affect the relationship with your partner positively you know, to be responsible. So let's talk about the flip side of that. So the flip side of that coin is how does your relationship with your spouse affect your relationship with daddy? Little bear wants to know.
1: So I think the biggest way that it impacts, we already talked about it a little bit at the beginning, which is the temporal limitations. Mm. Um, you know, we we talked about at the beginning kind of going at the pace of the slowest person. And even though, even though Daddy and I now get to see each other, you know, every week, sometimes yeah. more than once a week, yeah. sometimes we have overnights, you know, we have a lot more, a lot more flexibility in our schedule than, um, than we did before, but it's still kind of never feels like enough. But, but I think, you know, what we have realized is that that, that probably wouldn't be solved. Even if we were 24 seven live in partners, right? Like you still have to get out of bed and go to work yep. and earn a living. Like I would still have children to care for. Like, it's not like, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. It, there's that's, I, I, I don't blame that on my, uh, on my other relationship, there are a lot of other factors, um, at play there, but it, it definitely, there are temporal for whatever reason, right? Because I have a spouse or, an and, and well, you're living and, and
0: working out of another home with three these... other people and that's your anchor home, you know? <laughs>
1: right. So, so that the, we have temporal limitations, right? Like it is a, a reality of, mm-hmm. of our relationship. That's probably like it's biggest the biggest impact, um, But I, I, you know, and and I think you alluded to this a little bit earlier. I don't think that was necessarily – that has necessarily been a bad thing. I mean, I'm actually very grateful for the path that it led us on because, you know, we talk sometimes about how if we did not have those temporal limitations forced upon us, we might have gone home from the bar that night and, like, moved in with each other a week (laughs) later and then, like, gotten married or something. You know, like, we might have, like – we might have let that new relationship energy sweep us up and take us yeah. away. And we might have run right up that relationship ladder that we both resent. And that like, you know, we yeah. both and I just in some ways, like the temporal limitations have really forced us to be um, very intentional with our decision making and to communicate a lot.
0: Yes, lots of communication. So, you know, as as you're talking, I'm sitting here reflecting and I'm thinking like the You know, the question, how does your relationship with your spouse affect your relationship with daddy? It just, it just creates a lot of intentionality. You know, I feel like um, when, and I'm speaking from my experience, I feel like when you have a long-term partner and then you have a new partner, you know, there's a lot of intention. There's a a big engine of intentionality that, that, that starts turning where you now have to now think about all of your choices, because how is this choice going to impact my relationship with my wife? How is this choice going to impact my relationship with my partner? What's the best choice that will get me the best outcome in both relationships? What are the communications I'm going to have, with, have to have with this partner and then my other partner as a result of this choice or coming up to this choice or even after I make this choice? Like huge amounts of intentionality which is, you know, why we say it's, it's, it's standing at the base of a mountain and it's really hard stuff. It's hard stuff until you practice it and you get better at it. But at first, it's like really hard. And especially if you're in a monopoly situation or you're in a situation of non-monogamy where you have needs that you would like to have met and your partner has agreed reluctantly or otherwise to take this journey with you, it's just like, okay, that's just the beginning. You think it's hard getting that agreement Then the real work begins and that's where the take it slow and the compassion and, you know, understanding comes into play because it's a big ask. This is a really big ask to make of a partner, longstanding or not. Um, And I just I'm just reflecting on the intentionality that it brings. And that's that's a really big impact that it has on all of our relationships with all of our partners. So that kind of ties it all together. In connection with Baby Bear's question, Daddy, how do you manage um, the relationship? She also asked, do you ask baby girl about her day in regards to her husband and her children? Or is it a don't ask, don't tell kind of a deal? Well, that's actually, that's funny. It's funny you bring that up because, I mean, this is a huge poly question. You know, this, this, this is like wading through like secondary and primary, you know, relationships and, you know, don't ask, don't tell relationships. I mean, these are like hallmark poly conversations. And the answer to your question, is it don't ask, don't tell is no, it's definitely not don't ask, don't tell. Um, have I been in those relationships? Yes. Have I been in relationships where there are elements of that, meaning that like My girlfriend did not want to know what her husband was doing with her other partners, but my wife wanted to talk about all of the things that I was doing with, you know, my partners. You know, I've been in mixed relationships where there's mixed dynamics of don't ask, don't tell. And isn't it lovely when your girlfriend is don't ask, don't tell, but your wife is tell me everything. (laughs) That's fantastic. You got to have a lot of trust in those situations. But Oof, that can be a trap to navigate. But if you do have good partnerships and you do have good communications and you talk about the risks and you talk about the unsaid, yes, you can navigate just about any situation. But for baby girl and I, we pretty much always talked about her family and her spouse. I came into this relationship with almost two decades of non-monogamous experience and six years in poly relationships. So her partner was never a threat and is not still not a threat it's always in the back of my head that he was there first but she chose me too so i'm here for a reason i'm the i'm offering you something um i'm just talking to baby girl (laughs) i'm offering you something so important that you're willing to put your relationship and your family quote unquote on the line for me so how could it be a threat to me so yeah i want to know everything um, and and I say put your family on the line because that's a, that's a tagline I used to use in my my marriage um you know my my last marriage it's like hey we're putting our marriage at risk here to do this and that's kind of a kind of a toxic monogamous thought form in a way or it's a cautious monogamous thought form it's like this relationship is more important than that relationship therefore I'm risking this relationship to have that relationship and that's all total bullshit because we're all making choices every single day. And it's every choice we make impacts our relationships. It's not because I'm making a choice in relationship A is going to make a bad, make it a bad thing that I did that for relationship B. If it did, then I should have been more responsible about my choices. But in our relationship, baby girl and I, you know, her marriage has always been here from the start, you know, and... It's not a matter of, hey, I'm cocky and confident in saying, well, hey, you found me. So I'm not a th- I'm not threatened by your your husband, because obviously, you know, you, you know, I'm, I'm more important because you came to me even when you already had him. It's not that at all. It's just an acknowledgement that we're both important and for different reasons. Now. I did struggle when our feelings were really developing and love became present, but that was my insecurity and abandonment abandonment issues flaring up. and I'm mentioning this because this this may happen if you walk down this path, you know. Um, baby girl and I would always talk about those feelings, you know, and we would we would hold my insecurity and abandonment issues up to the light and we would ask the hard questions and We talked about the, would you ever leave him for me types of thoughts. And as we kind of, you know, mentioned a little bit in the last segment, and we didn't hide them and we didn't hide from them and we didn't ignore them. We gave them a place to live in our relationship because frankly, it is an option. And we simply don't see it as one worth considering. Why? Because we've talked about it and it won't get us what we want. But if we ignored it and we didn't recognize it, then there's a chance like, Baby girl, you said a little while earlier, it it would sit in the background and it would influence our thoughts and it would grow. And it would influence our feelings and choices subconsciously. And we never let that happen in our relationship. Again, circling back to intentionality. And you know, likewise in the don't ask, don't tell, for a long while I was open to meeting her partner, but his his time has passed, the dynamic is shown. That, you know, I, I think it would potentially do more harm than good because quite honestly, as Baby Girl was saying earlier, he's monogamous. And although he's thankful for the positive impact that our relationship has on his relationship with Baby Girl, he would probably rather not that she rather rather she not have a s another partner at all.
1: Yeah, and, and that kind of goes back to what, what we were talking about earlier. Like, I mean, I think when we started this relationship in my ideal um in my ideal utopian fantasy future i was like envisioning mm. this community the village you know the village it takes a village and i was envisioning you know a situation where you would get to meet my husband yeah. and you would get to meet my kids and you would get to you know interact with us i mean not like move in with us but like you know at least come over could, at like, dinner yeah like you Whatever. know at least we could all be friends and it could just be cool and out there and we wouldn't need but um But I have since realized that um, in the same way that my husband can't force me to be monogamous, I can't force him to be polyamorous. Mm -hmm. So um, I have to respect that he is monogamous and that he doesn't want this. And so I will say that um, at the beginning, I told him a lot more details about my relationship with daddy. Um, you know, I would sometimes like share with him like stories of like, oh, he tied me up and he beat me and, you know, it's hot. And like, you know, we would, then I'd go home and have sex with my husband. Um, we don't, it doesn't, we don't really do that anymore. I think that as my relationship with daddy has gotten, you know, deeper and has kind of transitioned from DS to DDLG, um, and, you know, and along the way, we've realized that, like, my husband is definitely monogamous. And and, and, and so, you know, I think because in his perfect world, he uh, – I would not be having any other relationships. Um, right. I don't – it is more don't ask, don't tell on my end. I don't – not from a – like – my husband, he knows where I'm going. Like, it's not like I say, oh, I'm going shopping and then I go see daddy. It's not like that at all. Like, we are very intentional. We communicate very clearly about exactly, like, when I'm going to see daddy and when I'm going to be back. Who's
0: picking up who. Yeah,
1: Yeah, but I don't, um, but I don't tell him much about, like, what we do in our time together anymore. Um, and, and honestly, I don't, I don't know if that's for the best. It, it does make me feel a little less close to my husband not to be able to share all of that with him. But I think also, you know, it was easier for him to wrap his head around like, oh, you just need somebody to beat you for a couple hours. And that's not something I'm interested in doing. So like, okay. But um, the whole DDLG thing and just the depth of it. I think it's just a little harder for him to wrap his head around, so he's not as interested. I don't think he's as interested in hearing about it either. So so again, I don't I don't know I'm not saying that's the right the right way to be. It's just where I am currently.
0: And I love hearing about her day and her family. So on the other side of the spectrum, for for us, I'm a tell me everything. Tell me the dog peed on the carpet. Tell me that your husband got in a fight with the kids. Tell me about the epic cuddle time and family weekend you just had or the lack of space and privacy to unwind. Tell me your frustrations. Tell me your joys. I want to know what she's up against in her daily life so I can know how to best take care of her. And I don't see your relationship and your family as a threat. Knowing about them and what's going on in your day is a necessary ingredient in our power exchange. Yep. You know, the roles of the people in your life and the details don't matter as much as the impact they're having on you. And what I need to do in response to make sure that you're cared for, that you're safe, that you're healthy, and that you're whole, wherever you are, that's not right in front of me at the moment. Yep. You know, that said, I'm not super daddy. And, you know, baby bear, you you know, you can't, you just just know that people are going to have like weak points right and vulnerabilities there's definitely times when hearing about those super cuddles or intimate time or fights and aggravations do hit buttons for me especially if they intersect moments where i may be struggling up against my own insecurities i might be a little bit lonely on a sunday night i might be a little bit lonely as i'm making dinner and wish i had someone to watch some disney movies with and in those moments, I simply fess up those demons to you mm-hmm. and that um, you come rescue me with some good deconstruction or some support or some, you know, some good framing. And, and we work together to over, overcome those things. That We're not afraid yeah. uh, of those feelings, you know?
1: I mean, I can think of an example um, just like a week or so ago and, you know, I hope it's okay that I'm sharing this, but like... Um, you know, we had a, I don't
0: know. I'm curious now.
1: We had a weekend where, um, we had decided that our schedules were both just too hectic, Uh, too much much (laughs) going on. And we couldn't, we couldn't see each other. And I was having a really, really nice family weekend. And I think, you know, daddy, you were kind of having some, some feelings. And it was, it was funny because then you like asked yourself, you're like, and then I asked myself, like, wait, do I want her to be miserable? <laughs> yeah. You were like, wait, am I upset that she's having a happy weekend without me? Like, do I want her to be unhappy? Like, no, of course I don't want her to be. Yeah, unhappy. I was
0: like totally over here sinking deeper and deeper into this. Like I she hasn't text. She hasn't messaged me in like five hours, you know, and then when she did, she was like, oh, I had such a wonderful day. And I'm like, grumble, crumble, grumble. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with me? Do I, wait, what is the alternative here? What am I looking for? Am I looking for her to text me and be like, my husband's being a jerk. The dog peed on the carpet again. I can't get anything. No, I don't want her to have that kind of day at all. I'm actually really happy that she's having a great day with her family. I wish I was having a great day with her. But you know what? We will know when I see her. Right. And I think
1: what we actually put our finger on was that it was the like, you're having such a great day. Maybe you don't need daddy. Yeah. And as soon as you said that out loud, I was like, "Oh."
0: oh, it took me three days to get that.
1: But I was like, but as soon as you got that, I was like, oh I need daddy don't you worry and then I could provide that reassurance I was like oh, yeah. oh my god oh my god so do I need daddy let me tell the you the feeling
0: started on Sunday afternoon and they kind of Sunday night I was kind of like mm, and she was like what and I was like mm, and she's like okay and I was like ah oh, I feel so much better and then Monday morning she calls me and I'm like mm, and she's like what and <laughs> I'm like okay I have to say it and she was like please do and I said it and we were both like oh my god that demon god damn it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's that demon again let me stomp him out because i can assure you that i definitely need daddy
0: yes and and you know i i knew that but i was holding on to these feelings and these insecurities i was just like sitting in them you know and and i needed to do that because sometimes that you just need such a strong reassurance it, it, you have to you have to walk through the fire so that you can understand what it feels like to be, you know, comfortable again. And and it was definitely one of those moments. And, you know, despite all of that, one of the reasons that I prefer having it be ask-tell for us instead of don't ask, don't tell, is that it just creates opportunities for us to examine all the emotions. You know, yeah. if I didn't know you were having a great weekend, I never could have faced my demon of, you know, um, just being lonely and, and 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 an abandonment issue, and I just never could have faced that and said, I feel like you don't need me, you know, and feel that weakness and just let it go and feel the strength. Mm-hmm. Never could have had that if I I didn't have that ask tell. Now ask tell is not for everybody. You don't have ask tell with your husband, and it serves you. It works. It actually works really really good for you because I don't I think the feelings what it would what it would what it would require for him to be asked tell is to constantly work on his fears and insecurities because he would be getting smacked in the face with all of these um, you know feelings that came up from hearing about all of our time together and there's no need for that and to- that's
1: and, and he doesn't he doesn't want that like we always talk about like you know daddy and I anyone who listens to this podcast knows that Daddy and I are total deconstruction dorks. Like, we yeah. just, like, cannot get enough of, like, oh, are you having a feeling? Here, come talk to me about it. Like, let's, like, let's drag that demon out of the closet and into the sunlight and, like, you know, really, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and my husband doesn't he doesn't enjoy that he doesn't yeah. he doesn't want that you know like he always he actually says to me he's like I know that our therapist says that I should like look under the carpet <laughs> like look I should look in the hole but I think I'd rather just throw a carpet over the top of it and pretend like it's not there like <laughs> he's like and and that's and that's where he's at on his journey and that's fine you know that's there's nothing wrong with that either
0: but you know what we've created is something that works for us and what you've created is something that works for the two of you and. I feel like our ask-tell side allows us to expand our intimacy across this tempor- the temporal limitations that we have, you know, so we make it work for us.
1: Yeah, so I guess, Baby Bear, that's just an example of, like, there is no right or wrong answer there. In some situations, don't ask, don't tell might be the right choice. In mm-hmm. other situations, all the communication might be the right choice. So you have lots of options. <music>
0: one of the last things we want to talk about is touches on uh, what baby bear wrote at the end of her message about being exhausted trying to be her own caregiver when she's already caring for so many other things in people and also some insight on how to reassure her spouse that this isn't a brand new or completely crazy idea. Well, I think, baby girl, you mentioned early in the podcast that, you know, finding resources like books and podcasts and kink poly-friendly therapists are great ways to hear other people's voices and stories that drag this out into the light for your spouse, baby bear, so your spouse can say that this isn't a crazy or novel idea.
1: Yes, um, I actually just read a book called quiet daddy and I read it together Mm -hmm. about um, introverts and exploring introversion. And there's a great story in there about this, um, this wife and mother and their child was introverted and she was trying to help her husband understand that their introverted child wasn't, wasn't quote unquote like broken, wasn't quote unquote wrong just because society and particularly American society kind of values extroversion. And so, you know, she took a book on, um, on introversion and she kept leaving it like in all these different places all around the house, hoping her husband would read it. Um, And eventually she put it in the bathroom and then he read it. So, so maybe, maybe you buy a book on, um, you know, polyamory. Yes. Like more than two, or there's a lot of other good ones out there. there. Um, and, and, uh, and you put it in the bathroom for your husband to, to peruse. That could be one option.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as, as far as the notion that is it okay to have this, yes, it's absolutely okay. But what what makes it okay is the agreements that are created in the relationships that you have. And the first rule of diving into non-normative relationships, non-monogamy and polykink, is that you have to have some form of desire or curiosity to fuel your journey. Shit gets really hard as we've mentioned, and you need that reminder on why I'm doing this in the first place to to make those growth opportunities, you know, handholds worth reaching for. Um, so you know, w- when you have a partner in tow that does not share the curiosity or desire, it can be in, it can be harder. You know, not not impossible, as baby girl will tell you, but definitely harder and and kind of as you intimated in your email slower a lot slower and and that's okay i think we've covered you know a lot of ways that we've been experiencing how slower has been better it's allowed me to adjust coming out of 27 years of monogamy it's allowed me to understand what i want and need in a relationship should the day come that I have the opportunity to have a 24 seven relationship. And, you know, that's a constantly evolving answer on my part.
1: It's allowed my husband time to wrap his head around, you know, why I'm even doing this and, and what it does for me. And it's given him time to see some of the benefits, right? Like he, he sees he even mentioned it one time. He was like, gosh, you didn't you know, see him this weekend, and like you're being a real bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, your like anxiety is just like through the roof. Like, you know, and it, and it's just, I mean, like I think he, you know, it gives, you know, if you if you start to experiment with it, and and as much as you can make it a positive experience for your husband, um, that will, you know, hopefully hopefully reassure and and feed into him having more confidence.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I'll say to that, too, that, you know. Your relationship with anyone else that you take on is isn't a toy for you and your partner to play with. It isn't. It isn't something that you bring into existence to, um, you know, cater to your pre-existing relationships. Even though it's new, it doesn't mean that you know. It, you know, it has to earn its way in and build trust and you know communication and, and all of that good stuff. But you know sometimes you hear in poly a lot of conversations about like well the new the newcomers get the short end of the stick they get the crappy date nights you know they they you know they get all the rules imposed to them and it's it's that's up to the people that are in the relationship so treat your relationships whether they be new or whether they be pre-existing with respect and honesty and you know you have to make choices in each of those relationships that are going to be best for those relationships and also the ones that are connected to it. So slow's not a bad thing. And guess what? It keeps you and your partner talking a lot because there's a lot to navigate. And if you try to frame your situation with a healthy outlook, that can be a huge huge benefit. One of the framings that I can offer you is that because your partner is uncomfortable, you will need to communicate so much more about your wants, needs, and desires and intentions. This means that you're going to have to think a lot about what you really need and what you are asking for because it's a big ask. So when you talk about that ask with your, with your partner, You will have to address their concerns. And these are all opportunities for you to really come to understand your own self so much better and come to know what you truly need all the more.
1: Yeah, and it's really all that communication is going to be really good for your relationship with your husband. I mean, I, I don't know where you and your husband are in your journey, but my husband and I certainly went through a period of time where... I mean, we loved each other, but I don't think we liked each other very much as, um, as people. And we really were not communicating and, you know, our thanks to, um, finding a really good, you know, therapist, she helped us to start to, you know, to say all the things and, and communicate more. And then when we got into, um, non-monogamy and when we started swinging, like, yeah, you have to talk to your husband. You have to talk to your husband so much, and you have to understand what he wants and what you want, and what mm-hmm. he can give and what you can give. And you have to deconstruct, and you try. And he says, Okay, you need this, so I'm gonna be able to, you know, uh, let's try that. And then you try it, and then you go back, and then you talk about it, and how did it make you feel, and how did it make him feel, and like, that's going to create some beautiful intimacy between you and your husband. It's going to help the two of you. Communication will help the two of you to know each other better and know your relationship better.
0: Yeah. And you can examine what you're really asking for together before you even subject your marriage to it, you know, kind of kick that ball around and have those conversations because The precursor conversations are a really good indicator of some of the obstacles that you're going to face when you actually start wading through the weeds. And when you do build that intimacy through those conversations, it's bringing you closer to your partner, or at least you're getting to know your partner. Maybe you can kind of throw some potential triggers up on the wall to help make, make it all go a whole lot smoother once you actually start exploring. And that intimacy that you build in those initial conversations, in the ongoing conversations, will definitely help fuel the journey when you actually do start exploring and going through the situations.
1: Yeah, but baby bear, I just want to like, I think as we wrap up, I just want to like reassure you that like you're not alone. Um, there's, I think, a lot of people out in the world who discover this and and feel this and need this and. Congratulations to you for finding your baby girl or your little side and for identifying this thing that you need. And, and I would say like, also like, just as you move forward, don't forget that like you and your husband will each make choices, but like you're, you don't necessarily need permission, right? Like, like it's, I just, I just want to be very careful with like how, how you start on this journey, right? Because it's like, I used to sometimes say, you know, well, my husband is going to let me Mm -hmm. go do this. My husband's going to allow me to go do that. And my therapist would caution me, well, it's not, you know, it's not that he's letting you, it's not that he's allowing you because you are your own person. You're your own independent person, right? And, and you get to make the decisions of what you're going to do with your life. Now you have to be responsible and you have to factor in the impact that your decisions are going to have on your husband right You have to think about that and, and, and but you get to you get to choose to make decisions and you get to choose what you know what it is that you want to explore and and if you want to continue to be in your marriage, those are all decisions that you get to make and he does too right? He gets to continue. He can't tell you you can't be a baby girl. He can't tell you you can't explore that side of yourself. He can say to you that if if you need to go outside of our marriage to fulfill that, then I need to exit our marriage. Like he can say that, right? He can say that like that's not a price of admission that I'm willing to pay. But no one can tell you that this isn't a part of you or that you don't have the right to explore it.
0: It's all about choices yeah, and communication and acceptance and honesty and all the things that make it hard. (laughs) So congratulations on finding your true self. And I hope that we could offer at least a few words that will um, inspire you in a direction that will work for you.
1: Good luck on your journey, baby bear.
0: And thank you for writing in. Anybody else who has any questions, comments, or suggestions out there, please feel free to email me at daddy underscore af at comcast.net. Daddy as fuck is a conversation that we are having in our community to kind of build awareness and just create a resource around examining life down a path less traveled, whether it's BDSM or poly or kink or DDLG. It's all about letting your quote unquote freak flag fly and living a joyous life as best we possibly can. So if you want to add your voice to the conversation, write in, share your journey, ask a question.